Welcome to the Special Needs Kids Are People Too podcast with Amy Bodkin, EDS. Amy is an autistic adult who also happens to be a school psychologist turned special needs consultant and public speaker. She's also a homeschooling mom to two autistic kiddos, a yoga instructor, a card-carrying Trekkie, and an all-around fun person. And last but not least, Amy is an advocate for seeing every child as a person, not a diagnosis. Because a special needs kid is just like any other child, just more so. Here's Amy Bodkin. Hi. I'm Amy Bodkin, coming to you from the blanket fort in my office, and welcome to Special Needs Kids Are People Too. Today we are continuing our conversation from the previous week. This is why we homeschool. So the question often becomes, well, why do you homeschool? Why don't you just send them to school? And really, that's the question people are asking. Why don't you send them to school? I have had the unique opportunity to get to see what has happened in some of our schools up close and personal as a professional in the schools, as a consultant, and as a consultant working with other families. And I will tell you, I have seen some horrible things happen in schools. I am not saying that it is the fault of the teachers. Generally speaking, schools are made up of some good people. But a school is a system. It's part of our education system. Systems are designed to allow people to avoid the very real human needs that individuals have. Systems are made so that we don't get bogged down with individual people's individual problems. And maybe for the vast majority of people, this works out okay. But if you're one of those people who has unique problems, it usually doesn't work out very well. And I've seen a lot of, honestly, I think horrible stuff over the years. I'm not going to get into a lot of details because I really don't want to give identifying information about any of these stories, but I am going to share a few things with you, things that I've personally seen. One district I worked in decided, and by decided, I mean the principals were all aware of this. I checked with one of the principals and apparently he was unable to do anything about it because the principal above him had said, this is what we're doing. And they were feeding the kids that were in in in-school suspension rotten food from the cafeteria to the point that the kids were getting sick and I had the teacher who was in the in-school suspension room spoke to me about it everyone was afraid to do anything about it because they didn't want to lose their jobs I wasn't being paid directly through the district at this particular point in time and so I contacted our child nutrition department and they came over and I did get in trouble with the principal for not mentioning it to him first. I'm like, well, I already talked to one of the principals and I knew you guys knew. No school should ever feed children rotten food, period. Another story from when I was working actually at the same school. All of the children were put in inclusion. So they were all mainstreamed into regular classes. And then once numbers were turned in to State Department, the administration of the school called meetings with every single special needs child in the entire school. And they bullied the parents into putting them in self-contained classrooms. And I tried very hard to convince the parents to fight it and to not sign the paperwork. But in reality, they were just fine with their kids being self-contained. The reason this was done was because after they sent their numbers to State Department, they looked really amazing to State Department because of their high rates of inclusion. But then when it came time for state testing, none of the kids that were self-contained had to be tested. 
And so it was basically a way of manipulating their own numbers for their own advantage. So it wasn't about what was best for the kids. It was about what was best for the school. And this is one of the big reasons that I have a real issue with a lot of IEPs that I see. A lot of the goals are written in such a way to protect the interests of the school and not the student. The IEP is supposed to be a legal document where we are promising to that child what we are going to do to support them. And very often that IEP ends up being turned into a legal document to cover the school's rear end. And I have an issue with that. I had a student I worked with in another district. He had been at the alternative school, which is basically like school jail. If you've never been to an alternative school, it's pretty much like going to jail every day. You sit quietly in your seat. You're not allowed to go anywhere by yourself. You're basically on lockdown the whole day. And he had been in alternative school for years, at least three, maybe longer. The reason he was put in alternative school is because he was accused of raping a girl in fifth grade in the bathroom. However, after meeting with him, I really began to seriously doubt if that's what actually happened. In that particular district, we had a lot of students all named the exact same name because the mothers named their children after their father and they all had the same father. It was advantageous in that community to have a child with a special need because when I was working with the fifth graders in that same district doing social skills, I, I made the mistake one week of asking, so what do you guys do for fun on the weekends? That was clearly a mistake. They said that they go to a house on the south side of town with couches and they make babies. And when I went to the next school, the junior high, I asked about it and they showed me pictures of their kids. And the kids told me that if you get pregnant, you can get a check. And if the kid's not very smart, you can get what they call a crazy check. And if you don't get married, then the dad can become a truck driver and then you've got all this other money. And this is what the kids told me. And I saw evidence of it when I went to the other schools. And because of that, it made me suspect, what if he wasn't the one who raped the girl? What if it was the girl who raped him? Obviously, years later, it's too late to do anything about it. There's no way of proving one way or another. But it is common for kids with disabilities to be targeted in certain communities for rape. Either because they feel like they can get away with it without suffering any consequences. Or because maybe they do want to actually have a child, but they want the child to have a disability. There are a lot of different reasons. Another story I heard about actually today from a client. Her child had gone back to school after having been homeschooled several years, and the school had given the child a 504. When they met to update the 504, they removed a lot of the accommodations saying that they did not feel that she was impacted academically, and so she didn't need these accommodations. The accommodations were, were to reduce anxiety and stress due to mental health diagnoses and involved things like taking a test untimed in a quiet room, things like that, that are known to reduce test-taking anxiety and other types of anxieties. So the mom did not sign the new 504 because she very much disagreed with it. And the school, the school did not document that she disagreed with it. They just put that she refused to sign making it look basically like it was the parent's fault. And shortly thereafter, the child was having a really tough day, and she self-isolated to a different part of the room, and the teacher told her she couldn't stay there, and she's like, I just, I, I need a minute. He's like, well, then if you're going to have a meltdown, you need to go to the principal's office 
which quite honestly, you cannot tell someone to do something while they're in the middle of a meltdown. It doesn't work that way. It's not a meltdown if you're able to control what you're doing. Like meltdown is when we kind of reach the point where we have lost all sense of all sense of reason. Well, then she's like, well, I can't do that. Uh, give me a minute. No, you can, you've got to go to the principal's office, then call my mom. I need to go home. He calls the principal. They don't call the mom. She calls the mom on FaceTime, and the mom calls the front office because she's like, look, my kid's screaming somewhere. Where is she? And so the principal comes, and then the principal gets the school resource officer involved. And by that point, it's become a full-blown meltdown. And she ends up kicking the school resource officer. Mom comes, takes her home. She's like, okay, we'll have to like deal with this. Maybe, maybe we need to go back to homeschooling or something since we're not getting the supports we need. The next day, the police come to the house with a warrant to arrest the mom's 11-year-old child who has a diagnosis of autism and several other things. And the mom has to go with her down to the station for her daughter to be booked and currently her daughter is on parole because she had a meltdown at school because she was not being provided with the services that she needed and she kicked a resource officer. Now, the police department was following proper procedure. Whether or not the school is following proper procedure is at the very least questionable. There are so many ways that situation could have been prevented before an 11-year-old ended up with a criminal record. And it is not incumbent on the 11-year-old to be able to provide an environment for herself that supports her disabilities. It is incumbent upon the adults. That is what that IEP and that 504 are supposed to do. And the 504 is not guaranteed based on whether or not you're academically affected by your disabilities. That 504 is to provide you with the supports that you need in general to be able to make it through life in that particular setting. It is through the Americans with Disabilities Act. It has nothing to do with education whatsoever, outside of the fact that we do have 504s in schools. But it is not governed by education law. It is governed by the Americans with Disabilities Act. This child now currently has a criminal record that they are working to expunge, and this child had a very traumatic event, many children would be terrified to have people come to her house and arrest her, especially if you have a child that's autistic and has other developmental disabilities. The judge who signed the warrant for her arrest did not even know that she had a disability. There was definitely a breakdown in communication somewhere. If the school had not removed her accommodations through the 504, it is possible that this would have never happened. And currently, the school is saying that in order for the child to return to school, she would need a 504 manifestation to be able to determine if the behaviors were due to her disability and whether or not she needs to go to alternative school. For one instance, caused by a meltdown that happened because she was not receiving the support she's supposed to receive. And if they choose to move that child to a different state, a different district, if they, the new school, requests records, the school has guaranteed that they will be including this incident in the record and that the new school will have to decide if they feel a 504 manifestation is necessary. Are you homeschooling a student or want to be homeschooling a student who learns a little different from the average student? 
I'd highly recommend checking out a Charlotte Mason Plenary. A Charlotte Mason Plenary is a homeschool company focused on the philosophy of Charlotte Mason. Charlotte Mason was an educational philosopher in the late 1800s, early 1900s, who recognized the importance of not just educating a child body and mind, but also educating them as a whole person with a diet rich in the humanities, the studies of what makes us better human beings. It is not enough to know everything. You also have to know how to use that knowledge in a way that contributes positively to the world. A Charlotte Mason Plenary has all sorts of resources for helping you do Charlotte Mason your way. We also have form guides over there that allow you to plan a customized curriculum in three easy steps. And I even partnered with a Charlotte Mason Plenary to create a developmental form guide that goes with these guides that explains to you where to place your child and how to make all sorts of adaptations for different types of learners. Go check it out at cmplenary.com. Situations like that would have never happened in a homeschool. Yes, some of that's because we're in a home. It's small student-teacher ratio. Some of that's because a parent is watching and is going to be aware when a child is needing support, is going to be trying to provide the supportive environment that the child needs. And quite honestly, parents really don't care if it's unreasonable or if it's not cost effective, if it's something they can in any way, shape, or form do, most of the time parents will do it because they love that child, they care about that child, they want that child to be as successful as possible. They are invested. But in schools, you are only guaranteed a free and appropriate education. And appropriate is according to the district's definition, not yours. I have a million and one other stories like that. Stories where kids were not well supported where kids set someone's hair on fire on the bus, where kids tried to burn down a school. So many stories like that. And a lot of times, a lot of times, those situations wouldn't have happened if a child had been well-supported. Now, I don't totally blame the teachers or the schools, because quite honestly, when you choose to turn education into a system, that's going to come with it. That's, that's the package deal. A system is not able to meet the needs of individuals adequately. That takes human compassion, and that's something that's not present in a system. And that's a lot of why I chose to homeschool our kids. I had many reasons going into it, but one of my concerns was that my children, we live in Florida, so I was concerned they might get Baker acted, which means that they would be taken to a mental health institution due to an event that happened at school if it was ruled part of their disability. Or, for instance, in this particular instance, I guess I could have been worried that they'd be arrested situations like that are never easy for children. But an autistic child who depends very heavily on other people to keep them safe and well protected and advocated for, those kinds of situations can be incredibly traumatizing. And I did not need anyone making my job harder. I did not need anyone to put my child in a position where they could be traumatized. These kinds of things should not happen. They do happen, and it happens because it's in a system. In order to fight this, they would have to sue the district. And let me tell you, the district has a whole lot more money, resources, and time than the parents do. This is wrong. Who in that school are the adults? It's not the 11-year-old. It's not the kids. It's not the teenagers. But honestly, the adults in the situation are just trying to survive the system they're in. Teachers have a hard way to go because they're trying to make it through a system that honestly has a lot of problems. And systems like that 
are the exact kind of places that people with low moral character who want power like to exploit. I've seen a lot of administration who thought they were big fish in small ponds. Administrations of systems tend to attract those kinds of people. The saying is absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's true. So this is a lot of why we homeschool. I knew there was a chance that something like that could happen, where your kid gets arrested, or your kid gets taken to a mental health facility, or where they are targeted by other students for harm, or where their needs are not taken care of because they've fallen through the cracks in the system. Thank goodness for parents out there who advocate for their kids and fight the system. We owe them a great debt of gratitude. But that doesn't mean that you have to choose to be one of those parents. Some of us are built for advocacy. And others of us like to take our creativity and do the best we can to provide an alternative. There's no right or wrong way to do it. I'm never going to ever tell anyone that everyone should homeschool because I don't believe it. If you don't want to homeschool, you should not homeschool. You'll be miserable. So will your kids. But you also don't have to fight an entire system if that's not what you do best. Do what you do best to support your kid. If that's fighting the district, my hat's off to you. Wonderful job. We appreciate what you are doing. If your skill set is getting creative and providing a supportive environment in your home that meets their needs better, great. That's what I did because that's my preference. Trying to advocate against a district, it's a large burden because it involves a lot of translation on my part when trying to communicate with people. I like to say a lot of times that what we choose to do with our kids educationally is a lot like having a baby. At the end of the day, we want a baby. It doesn't really matter how they get here as long as they get here. Sometimes we have distinct preferences that guide our decisions. Other times we have life circumstances that trap us between a rock and a hard place and we are reduced to very few options. But ultimately, whatever is best for that parent and child is the right thing to do. But I do think it is important to say that if you think you might want to homeschool, you can do it. I know parents who work full-time and still homeschool their children. I know parents who never had any intention whatsoever of homeschooling. I most certainly did not. That was not my plan. It didn't occur to me until I started to realize what kinds of disabilities we were dealing with and how the system might fail them. That is what inspired me to want to homeschool my kids. It's not the teachers. It's not the individual people. It's the system itself and the kinds of people that systems like that attract. People who want to grasp for some power and do that by stepping on people smaller than themselves. I appreciate y'all joining me for this episode. I have a lot more stories, but these are just some of the bigger ones that have particularly offended me. Keep that in mind when you're making your decisions about education. Systems cannot be trusted. There must be checks and balances in place to hold them accountable for what they should be doing. Thanks for joining me, and we'll be back next week with another series of Q&As. We hope you had fun listening to today's episode and gained some new insights into the wonderful variety of people in our world. You can find out more about Amy's advocacy work at amybodkin.com. And remember, special needs kids are people too.